Hello to all the listeners. Today we have with us Mr. Sandeep Sahu. He is a journalist and the author of the book Madam President. Sir, welcome on the show. Thank you. Sir, for those of us who may not know about you, could you give us a small introduction about yourself and the book as well? Well, I am a journalist based in uh, Bhubaneswar. I have been around for more than three decades now. I started out with uh, a local Odia Delhi called Sambad back in 1985. So that makes it more than uh, 38 years now. In these th- 38 years, I have worked for local national and international media platforms. I started out with Sambad as I told you. Then I, at various times, I have worked for the Indian Express, the Financial Express, the Times of India, and finally the BBC, primarily the Hindi service of the BBC. And since 2017, I have been a freelancer. I write two columns, one in English and the other in Nodia. The English column is called Scandi, which gets published on the digital platform of OTV, which is the number one TV channel here in Odisha. And the Odia column appears in Sambad with which I started my career in 1985 and which also happens to be the number one Odia daily now. So apart from that, I have at various times written for national level portals like fastpost.com, thequint.com, federal.com and several others. I've been freelancing since uh, 2017, but uh, such a shame. This is my first book. After so many years in journalism, this is the first book I have written. And uh, coming to your book, uh, what was your journey towards writing the book? How did you come across the opportunity? Actually, three days after uh, the name of Draupadi Murmu was announced as the NDA's presidential candidate, I got a call from Mr. Chirag Thakkar who is a commissioning editor with Penguin India. And he wanted to know whether I'll be willing to write a biography of Draupadi Murmu. I must say I was pleasantly surprised, not just because this was going to be my first book, but even more so because Draupadi Murmu is from my own state. I have known her when she was a minister and I was a reporter. I met her a couple of times. And more than that, I spent almost my entire adolescent period in Mayurbhanj, which happens to be her home district. So uh, all those things made me extremely happy that I'm getting an opportunity. Pleasantly, I I must say I was pleasantly surprised. I still don't know how they found me, who recommended my name or who they consulted before finally approaching me. But I'm extremely happy and grateful that somebody who has never written a book before has been chosen for this prestigious assignment by a publisher of uh, Penguin Stature. Right. And while the writing process and the research process what 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 was it like? Did you read other books for inspiration before you started writing? What was the process like? 
No, I didn't read anything specifically before writing this book. But yes, I went through whatever had appeared about Draupadi Murmu in the media. I searched the YouTube for old interviews that she has given in the past and then started talking to people who have known her since her childhood, those who have seen her from very close quarters, her uh, relatives, her uh, friends from the school, her uh, college friends, then some people who were colleagues when she was a teacher and then many people in Ranchi when she was governor those who have seen her from very close quarters and those who have had the opportunity to work with her. So that was basically my uh, research. There were no books to read on, old interviews. And yes, there were. I, I went through the records of the Odisha Assembly to find out how she had performed as an MLA and won the prestigious Nilakanta Award, which is given to the best legislator every year and she was the first woman recipient of this award so i went through her assembly records to see what kind of questions she had been asking what interventions she had made in the assembly when she was just a member and not a minister so that's how i went about it i didn't read any book in uh, specifically but i read a lot of material that appeared in the media yeah all right. And what were the challenges related to the researching process? Like you said, you must have had to talk to a lot of people who knew her closely. Uh, was that challenging or was like getting to some records or stats or anything like that? Yes, it was a big challenge because uh, when I started researching uh, for the book, there was not much available about her, on her, in the public domain. All that I could find at the time were some old interviews she had given to various uh, TV channels and a few write-ups uh, in the media. That's about all. So I had to primarily depend on uh, talking to people who have known her, who have worked with her, who have observed her. That was my way of going about it. And I am happy uh, with whatever uh, I have uh, gathered by talking to a wide range of people in Odisha, in uh, Jharkhand, and in other places also. Right. And while you were writing the book, was there anything in particular that inspired you? Yes. The, the one thing that I didn't know before I started researching for the book was everybody knows about the fact that she refused to give consent to two amendment bills that the Jharkhand government had passed in the assembly and which were widely believed to be antithetical to the interests of tribals. Many people apprehended that once those bills went through, tribals will lose control over their land. And I came to know during my research in Ranchi that at one point of time when she was under tremendous pressure both from the Jharkhand government and from the central government to give assent to this uh, two amendment bills, she had even contemplated resigning from the post of governor if it came to that, a push 
came to show and this was told to me by the person who should be knowing the truth he was the principal uh, secretary to the governor at the time and he told me i saw madam very tense and very upset for three consecutive days and on the third day i asked her ma'am why are you so worried uh, why do you look so uh, tense and she apparently replied that if they force me then i'll have no choice but to resign at a time when governor said going out of their way to do the bidding of the central government the governor contemplating resignation to on an issue on a matter of principle and listening to her inner voice that i think revealed a new side to her and suddenly all those nasty comments about her um becoming a rubber stamp and uh, no more than a stooge at the hands of the bjp leadership all those things started sounding so hollow after i came to know about this that was the one thing that really uh, opened up a new facet to her uh, personality and character for me that is a great story and of course it uh, comes down to representation and what you can do for the society is only when you know about it and you like belong to it so relating to that the tribal community is uh, egalitarian when it comes to whether a girl child is born or a boy child is born and many a times even girl child girl children are celebrated so what other aspects of the tribal community do you think should come forth so as to reduce the stigma against them in fact the other thing that we should all take note of and emulate is their love for nature their love for nature and the ability and the desire to live in harmony with the nature which has sustained them over centuries as and tribals as you know uh, they uh, worship the nature the land the forests uh, the streams the mountains those are their gods so the, so the importance of nature and living with nature that is integral to the tribal way of life and that is one thing we should take lessons from and try to emulate them in our uh, daily life all right and in one of the chapters called the tragic turn you have shown her going through a tumultuous phase in her life but she has unflinching faith which is what gets her through it but you also mentioned that she always makes for makes space for other religions as well could you talk a little bit about how she is able to maintain that balance and how it has helped her by far yes uh, she she has managed the unthinkable by staying true to her tribal roots and at the same time being a proud hindu being a proud uh, prajapita brahmakumari follower being a proud uh, follower of all other religions and she has combined uh, the best of every religion in her own life and despite uh, being a 
member of the BJP, which has always pushed the Hindutva agenda, she has had no such uh, uh, problems with other religions, including Islam and Christianity. And she is perfectly at home at all kinds of religious gatherings. When she was governor, she used to attend, go to the churches and majars and temples, all of them. And at the same time, she also visited the Jahirs, which is the religious place of the tribals, the Santals. So she has combined the best of everything that has certainly helped her get a greater acceptance among people. But it has also laid her open to the charge of not being a true representative of tribals. Some of them feel that she has not been faithful to her tribal roots because she has been flaunting her uh, Hindu credentials at various uh, times in her life. So it has, but I, personally, if you ask me, I will say she combines the best of uh, Indian ethos by taking the best out of every religion, respecting every religion and staying true to the, to the tenets of all religions. Right. And you also mentioned, you explain her nomination as a presidential candidate as a masterstroke. Could you elaborate as to why you think that is and how it was significant? There are two aspects, actually. One was the political aspect. And I think you would agree in that by nominating Draupadi Murmu as the presidential candidate, the BJP and NDA they drove a wedge uh, through the opposition, uh, the opposition which was trying to come together ahead of the election. It created sharp differences among opposition parties because no party wanted to oppose her candidate because they didn't want to be seen as anti-tribal. That made it difficult for them to oppose her candidature because there are especially in states where uh, there is a sizable uh, uh, tribal population. They found it very difficult to oppose her. In that sense, it was a master strategy by the BJP because it put the opposition in complete disarray. You saw in Maharashtra, the fight between the Uddhav Thakiri faction and the Shinde faction was at the peak at the time. And yet, both factions decided ended up uh, supporting Draupadi Murmu's candidature because even Udhat Thakere uh, realized that if we don't support it, then uh, my MPs will all cross over to the other side. Similar things happened in most other states like Andhra Pradesh, like even in Odisha, the BJP and BJD both voted for. In fact, the BJD took the lead in garnering support for Drop the Murmu. So in that sense, it was a master political strategy. But at a more serious level, it was also an important milestone in the evolution of India as a republic the Republican character of the country, I think got a huge flip by her nomination as the presidential candidate. Something that had never happened in 75 years of independence happened in this case. And that was, I think, a perfect way of celebrating the Amrit Kal or 
that the NDA government is celebrating. In both senses, I think it was a very good strategy and it raised the image of uh, India as a republic, as a democracy, and that I think was a big achievement for the country. And another reason why I think it was very significant is because of her identity as a person who comes from the tribal communities, right? And you end yes. the book also with the chapter called Cautious Optimism, in which you discuss the nuances that are attached with it, where it is a good thing that she has been appointed being uh, a person from the tribal communities. But what do you think uh, it does for the community itself? In fact, the little that I know about the constitution, whatever little I have read, it tells me, though the president of India is largely, largely an ornamental post, which doesn't really have many powers to do things. But when it comes to protecting the interests of the tribals, I think the president has some powers. It doesn't uh, have to depend on, the president doesn't need to depend on the central government to exercise those powers. Like the president can ask the state government for a report on why provisions in the constitution and in other acts aimed at protecting the interests of the tribals have not been followed and the state governments are duty-bound to reply to the president. The central government doesn't come into the picture at all. So that is one power that no president has exercised before. But I expect Draupadi Murmu to make use of that provision in the constitution to ensure that the interests of tribals their culture, their language, their religion are protected and the provisions made in the constitution for their protection are observed. So that is one thing that she certainly can do the, as a president. And as you mentioned, she is from Odisha. And what, what does her nomination in becoming the president will do for the state itself? You must have noticed that I have devoted a whole chapter titled mm -hmm. Odisha's Finest Tower and traced Odisha's journey from the ancient times to the present state and which shows how Odisha used to be a land of plenty, a land of convergence of all kinds of religious beliefs and thoughts. The, I think one of the most tolerant societies in the whole of the country which has welcomed all shades of opinion which has welcomed all shared religious strands and assimilated them in their life buddhism flourished here jainism flourished here hinduism flourished here everything and how post independence it somehow fell off the radar and never quite got the attention that it deserved and President whose nomination as the president has suddenly focused the spotlight on Odisha and people are interested to know more about Odisha and it has given an opportunity 
for the media, for writers like me and for others to focus on Odisha and make Indians in general more aware of a state has such a rich cultural history, religious history, but has somehow only invited attention when there have been starvation deaths, when there have been some large floods or cyclones. That is the only time when Odisha gets some national attention. But there is so much to admire, so much to be proud about in Odisha's history and culture and the language. Let me tell you, Odia is, many Indians perhaps don't know that Odia is one of only six languages, Indian languages, which has got the classical status. And the classical status is given to a language which has a history of at least 1500 years. So that uh, gives you uh, an idea about the antiquity of the state and its culture. And there are rock edicts from the Kalinga war area, which was before Christ, 300 BC, 3rd century BC, when the Kalinga war took place. That was the time when the rock edicts on the outskirts of Bhubaneswar in Dhauri were carved. And a state which has such a proud and rich history how it went into oblivion, that has been one uh, thing that has always exercised my mind. And I thought that President uh, Draupadi Murmu's nomination as the president has done wonders for the state in the sense that everybody is now interested to know more about the state. That is one positive fallout that has taken place after she was nominated the president's candidate. Also, uh, her story is very inspiring, especially for uh, young people, uh, even more especially yes. for like young girls. Um, what other personalities do you think young people should read about so that they are inspired to strive for greatness in their life? The one book I think every Indian, not just youth, and more so youth actually, they should be reading is Mahatma Gandhi's My Experiments with Truth. And I'm sure it will open up a whole new world for them and tell them what were the ideals of the Mahatma, how he actually lived them in his life. He didn't just preach. He actually used those lessons uh, that he learned during the course of his life and put them to practice in his own life and influenced others to adopt the same kind of life. He combines the best of Indian ethos, the Indian tradition, the Indian philosophy. I think every Indian youth must read the My Experiments with Truth by Mahatma Gandhi, at least in the translated version. I'm sure every language has a translation of the Mahatma's book and I'm really keen that every Indian youth should be reading it to strengthen his moral fiber and, and, and to discover a new Mahatma which we perhaps don't know by reading his biographies or write-ups about him.
Okay, sir. Okay, sir. With that, we have uh, come to the end of this interview. Thank you so much for taking out the time for us. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you.